0: If you would turn with me, please, to Joshua chapter 22. I think you will find that this is a great introduction to the whole um, week of Easter. This being Palm Sunday, as we move into the wonders of Easter. I think you're going to find that this place in Scripture is going to be uh, kind of a motivational tool in your life and in my life. What is taking place here in Joshua chapter 22, we have not mentioned as of yet. But it is clear, God asked his people to go into the promised land. You remember that from the generation before. He said, take control of the land. They sent out 12 spies. Two of the spies, Joshua and Caleb, came back and says... We can take these people. The other ten spies came back and said, no, the people are far too great. They're way too big for us. We're really like grasshoppers in their sight. There's no way that we'll be able to overcome these people. And so that generation decided not to go into the promised land. It has always been God's plan for His people that they would cross the Jordan and go into the promised land. What we have here now, today, we are going to look at two and a half tribes. The tribe of Gad, the tribe of Reuben, and the half tribe of Manasseh. And they chose to take land this side of the Jordan, not to cross over and to go into the promised land. Nothing much has been said of that up to this point. I am going to give you a consideration upon what has taken place in the life of the tribe of Reuben and of Gad and of the half-tribe of Manasseh, they should have gone into the promised land. I am making that statement to you this morning. But they chose not to. The issue is, you and I need to investigate and find out why did they not cross the Jordan. The issue is today for you and me to consider why is it that some people live on the fringe of their Christianity? Why is it that some of us are sold out? We're ready to go into the promised land. Why is it that some of us kind of keep one foot in the old world in which we live and the other in Christianity and we do this balancing act from week to week? And we never really fully move into that place of blessing that God has given to us. Remember, He has told us in Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 3, you and I have been blessed with what? Every spiritual blessings. Do you think that God wants you and me to use just a portion of those blessings? No, He wants us to incorporate within our lives every single one of those blessings. Do you think for a moment that God was pleased that Gad and Reuben and half of Manasseh did not cross the Jordan and to go into the promised land? Although we have not read of it yet, I say to you, I do not believe that God was happy at all with them, that they did not go into the promised land like the rest of the tribes did. And So today we're going to come across a, a problem of sorts, that is in Joshua chapter 22. Let's remind ourselves. Joshua commends the, the tribe of, of Gad and Reuben and Manasseh. He commends them for doing a great job. Let's, let's refresh our memories. Look back at chapter 22 and look at verse 2. Joshua said to them, You have kept all that Moses, the servant of the Lord, has commanded you. You have listened to my voice and all that I commanded you. You have not forsaken your brothers all of these days. To this day, you have kept the charge of the commandment of the Lord your God. Now you may have rest. Well, as you can might imagine, the, the, the men of Gad, the men of Reuben, the half-tribe of, of Manasseh, they, they had to be elated to say, now the battle is over with. They can go back to their homes and rest with their their loved ones, their wives, their children, their families. And on the way, they decided, as we're going to read in a moment, to to honor God for His faithfulness to them over these past seven years. How He had protected them from their enemies in the land, and how they did battle and won. And so what did they decide to do? In, In verse 10, we're going to read in a second, they decided to build a very large altar unto the Lord their God. On the Canaan side of the Jordan River, they just simply, I guess, wanted to say thank you. But they also wanted to to say more. They wanted that altar to be a reminder to their youth that they still belonged to the nine and a half tribes on the other side of the Jordan. They wanted to remind their fellow Israelites on the other side of the Jordan that they're still a part of Israel. But wanting to do good, something wrong occurs. And I'd like for us to read and see. Basically what occurs wrong is, is what I've mentioned to you last week. Oftentimes we as a people have a tendency to judge before we know all the facts. It's not a good thing. In the book of Proverbs, the 18th chapter, the 13th verse, it says the person who gives an answer before he hears. In other words, before he hears all of the truth, he tries to give an answer. It says it's folly and shame to that person. It also says in Proverbs chapter 18, verse 17, the first person to plead his case seems to be right. In other words, you hear just their side of the story. It goes on to say until another comes and and then examines him or examines what really is the truth. That's what's going to take place here. But underlying all of this, I want, to, I want to plead with you to listen. This was a very difficult place for me to study because some of the commentaries were really hard on the tribes of Gad and Reuben and Manasseh. Others were not so hard on them. I believe with all of my heart That God does not want a part of us to be committed to Him. I believe with all of my heart, I have lived my life as a Christian in this fashion, I believe that God wants every bit of me, every bit of who I am, So many years ago, when I really didn't know the ramifications of what I was saying before the Lord, when I felt alone and abandoned by my friends, and I was walking home after one evening that was very difficult on me as far as my friendships were concerned, I simply said to the Lord, without really knowing all the ramifications of what I was about to say, I just said, Lord, if it's just you and me the rest of my life, that is be sufficient for me. I meant that from the bottom of my soul. I had no idea the ramifications of what that meant. Today, as I stand before you some 30 years later, I say to you the same thing I said then. Today, if it would be just me and Jesus Christ the rest of my life, that would be sufficient. But for it to be me and Jesus Christ the rest of my life, He wants all of me. I want all of Him. He asks the same of me in return. I believe the tribe of Gad. I believe the tribe of Rudman, I believe the half tribe of Manasseh did not give God all of themselves, but wanted all of his protection. And that is like so many of us today. We want all that God wants to give us, but are we willing to, To live our lives completely devoted to Him. If you remember, when we were in Acts chapter 2, that was one of the things that the apostles asked the people in Jerusalem. When the church was first formed, they said, God wants people who are completely devoted to the things of God. And then we went on to study and we found that it was communion. It was the study of the apostles' word it was prayer and it was sharing giving communicating with one another completely devoted if we look back on the life of Caleb when Caleb said i'm as strong today when he was 80 was it 85 or 80 years old i'm as strong today he says as as i was 40 years ago when i went in to look into the land And we investigated Caleb's life and we saw that Caleb was as strong then as an older man as he was when he was younger because it says he fully followed the Lord his God. I reason with you this morning that Gad and Reuben and the half-tribe of Manasseh did not fully follow the Lord their God. And it caused them problems. Now, let's read and let's see if you can come to the same conclusion that I did in this great place in Scripture. We're going to read from verse 10 to verse 34. It's a big chunk, but it's an ongoing story that needs to be studied in full. It says in verse 10 of Joshua chapter 22, when they came to the region of the Jordan, which is in the land of Canaan, the sons of Reuben and the sons of Gad, And the half-tribe of Manasseh built an altar there by the Jordan, a large altar in appearance. And the sons of Israel heard of this and said, Behold, the sons of Reuben, the sons of Gad, and the half-tribe of Manasseh have built an altar at the frontier of the land of Canaan, in the region of the Jordan on the side belonging to the sons of Israel. When the sons of Israel heard this the whole congregation of the sons of Israel gathered themselves at Shiloh to go up against them in war then the sons of Israel sent to the sons of Reuben and to the sons of Gad and to the half tribe of Manasseh into the land of Gilead Phinehas the son of Eleazar the priest and with him 10 chiefs one chief for each father's household from each of the tribes of Israel Each one of them was the head of his father's household among the thousands of Israel. They came to the sons of Reuben, and to the sons of Gad, and to the half-tribe of Manasseh, to the land of Gilead, and they spoke with them, saying, verse 16, Thus says the whole congregation of the Lord, What is this unfaithful act which you have committed against the God of Israel? turning away from following the Lord this day by building yourselves an altar to rebel against the Lord this day. They say in verse 17, Is not the iniquity of Peor enough for us? From which we have not cleansed ourselves to this day, although a plague came on the congregation of the Lord, that you must turn away this day from following the Lord? It will come about if you rebel against the Lord today that He will be angry with the whole congregation of Israel tomorrow. If, however, the land of your possession is unclean, then cross into the land of the possession of the Lord where the Lord's tabernacle stands and take possession among us. Only don't rebel against the Lord or rebel against us by building an altar for yourselves beside the altar of of our Lord, our God. They asked, did not Achan, the son of Zerah, act unfaithfully in the things under the band, and and wrath fall on the congregation of Israel? And that man did not perish alone in his iniquity? Verse 21, then the sons of Reuben and the sons of Gad and the half-tribe of Manasseh answered. They spoke to the heads of the families of Israel. And they said this, verse 22, the Mighty One, God, the Lord, the mighty one, God, the Lord. He knows. And may Israel itself know, if it was in rebellion, or if an unfaithful act against the Lord, do not thou save us this day. If we've built us an altar to turn away from following the Lord, or if to offer a burnt offering or grain offering on it, or if to offer sacrifices of peace offerings on it, may the Lord himself require it. But truly we have done this out of concern for a reason saying in time to come your sons may say to our sons what have you to do with the lord the god of israel they say in verse 25 for the lord has made the jordan a border a border between us and you you sons of reuben you sons of gad you have no portion in the lord so your sons may make our sons stop fearing the lord Therefore, we said, let's build an altar, not for burnt offerings, nor for sacrifice. Rather, it shall be a witness between us and you, and between our generations after us, that we are to perform the services of the Lord before him with our burnt offerings, and with our sacrifices, and with our peace offerings, that your sons may not say to our sons in time to come, you have no portion in the Lord. Therefore, we said, it shall also come about if they say this to us or to our generations in time to come, then we shall say, see a copy of the altar of the Lord which our fathers made, not for burnt offerings, not for sacrifices, rather it's a witness between us and you. Far be it from us that we should rebel against the Lord and turn away from following the Lord this day by building an altar for burnt offerings or for grain offerings or for sacrifice, besides the altar of the Lord our God, which is before his tabernacle. So it says in verse 30, when Phineas, the, the priest of the leaders of the congregation, even the heads of the family of Israel who were with him, heard the words of the sons of Reuben, and the sons of Gad, and the sons of Manasseh spoke, it, spoke, it pleased them. Phineas, <clears throat> the son of Eleazar, The priest said to the sons of Reuben and to the sons of Gad and to the sons of Manasseh, Today we know that the Lord is in our midst because you have not committed this unfaithful act against the Lord. Now you have delivered the sons of Israel from the hands of the Lord. Then Phinehas, the son of Eleazar, the priest and the leader, returned from the sons of Reuben and from the sons of Gad and from the land of Gilead to the land of Canaan, to the sons of Israel, and he brought back word to them, and the word pleased the sons of Israel, and the sons of Israel blessed God, and they did not speak of going up against them in war to destroy the land in which the sons of Reuben and the sons of Gad were living. And the sons of Reuben and the sons of Gad called the altar witness. For they said, It is witness between us that the Lord is God. Seems all all nice. Seems like everything's fine. But the fact of the matter is, there's a lot said in between there that needs to be answered. Why is it that Gad, why is it that Reuben, why is it that the half-tribe did not cross over and go into the Jordan? I'll tell you why. I studied It was because the land on that side of the Jordan was better for grazing their animals. It was a materialistic decision. It was not a spiritual decision. They decided to stay back from following after what God asked them to do purely because of materialistic means. They wanted to have a better place for their animals to graze, to raise their cattle. But in finding a better place to raise their cattle, they sacrificed their children. By finding a place that was materialistic in view, they sacrificed the spiritual. And I don't want any of us to do that here. I've been in ministry long enough to see people who are really committed to the Lord prosper, which is just fantastic it's it's the best to see it happen and all of a sudden i've seen this over the years they would buy a a home maybe an arrowhead or big bear just to have some place to go with the family to relax what's wrong with that buy a boat maybe and maybe those i don't know what they're called ski whatever things you know where you kind of skim over the water i'd love to do that my own self looks like fun But I've seen them, because they work so hard during the week, they they end up taking their kids and their family, and they go up to Arrowhead or go up to Big Bear, and and they, they spend the weekend there. And they sacrifice going to church for pleasures being with the family. What's wrong with that? I'll tell you what's wrong with it. I've seen it happen. I've seen it happen. I've tried to minister to the families. When they send their kids off to college, and they say, now you be sure to get to church, the kids say, Church, we didn't go to church that much. Church, I'll go when I can. And I watched kids come home from college being, quote, I don't know what you'd call it. Um, I don't know. But have completely abandoned their faith. I see moms and dads just agonize over their kids. Why did they abandon their faith? And You want to say to them, you helped them. You stopped going to church. You stopped making church a priority in your life. You taught your children that that God comes in second in your home. This is what's going to happen here. I'm going to take you to a place that I probably shouldn't take you until the end of the message. Turn with me, please, to the right, before we pray, to first Chronicles it 's just to the right a little bit you'll go to if you'll go to uh, if you'll see like first uh, Samuel and second Samuel, and then you 'll see first kings and second kings after second kings is chronicles. look at chapter five, 1 Chronicles chapter five. I want to show you what happens to the next generation of the tribes of Gad and Reuben and the half-tribe of Manasseh. Look what it says in verse 25. In verse 25, we are told, they, who are they? We'll show you in a moment. They acted tre- treacherously against the God of their fathers. They played the harlot after the gods of the people of the land and whom God had destroyed before them. So the God of Israel stirred up the spirit of Pool, the king of Assyria, even the spirit of Tilgath, Pilneser, the king of Assyria. And he carried them away into exile. Who did he carry away? Namely, the tribes of Reuben, the tribes of Gad, and the half-tribe of Manasseh. They fell. People, they fell because they were surrounded by heathen nations Separated from their brothers and sisters in the Lord, the other tribes of Israel. And they fell into idolatry and were taken in by Assyria to be slaves. One generation. And so I surmise to you this morning, I say to you this morning, not everything is rosy as we read through chapter 22 there is the decision that gad and reuben and the half tribe of manasseh a decision that they made that is going to be critical to their children and so as we look at this place in scripture i want you and i to consider what are we passing on to the next generation Look back at chapter 22 of Joshua. Look back at chapter verse 5. Remember what Joshua said? Said to Reuben and said to Gad and said to the half-tribe of Manasseh. He said in verse 5 of 22, Be careful, no, be very careful to observe the commandment and the law which Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded you And then he told them to do five things. I want you to love the Lord your God. I want you to walk in all of his ways. I want you to keep his commandments. I want you to hold fast to him. And I want you to serve him with all of your heart and with all of your soul. And these two and a half tribes decided that they can do that better on the other side of the Jordan not obedient to what God had asked them to do. There are many of us today within Christianity that have made that same decision. We do not become involved in the churches. We ought to become involved. We do not become involved in the things of God that we ought to become involved. And in a generation, you're going to maybe pay the price. Father, please, 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 let us see this scripture as something quite important to us as we move into this wonderful time of the year, Easter. As we consider the very wonders of what you have done for us. That you lived a life and you you endured so many hardships that none of us really will be able to quite comprehend it all. And then, Father, you, you, you willfully went and allowed sinful men to beat you, to spit upon you, and to nail you to a cross. So that you might shed your blood for every single person that walks the face of this earth. And for all of us who by your grace have come to believe and trust in you, you have given us everlasting life. You have forgiven our sin because of the Agonies that you expressed and lived through on this earth and at the cross. You died for us. But more importantly, as we're going to find out this weekend, next weekend, you rose from the dead so as to give each of us everlasting life. You did these things, not so that we would half-heartedly follow you, You did all of this so that you might find a group of people who are completely devoted to the things of God so that we, like Caleb, might be a people who fully follow you all the days of our lives. What greater thing, what greater joy would we have than that? Please, Father, let us learn. Move me aside, I beg of you. Teach us your word, I beg of you. Let the... Let this be a very rich time as we study, Father, from your goodness. I pray these things in in the matchless and, and, and just amazing name of your Son, our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. We thank you for him, Father. He is the one who has given us the privilege to talk to you as we do this morning. To come to your throne of grace as we do this morning. We come in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Thank you, Father, for Him. In his name we pray. Amen. Okay, let's be clear. First of all, be clear. Be clear. There's no question that Canaan was God's appointed land for His people. Anything short of Canaan was not what God wanted for the tribes of Gad and Reuben and the half-tribe of Manasseh. Although it's not mentioned, all we have to do is study the Word of God and realize, look, within our lives, God is not interested with you and me falling short of our dependence upon Him and His grace. He has, he's not happy when you and I settle for second best as we walk with Jesus Christ. He doesn't want us half in and half out. Dr. McGee says, you're either a saint or you ain't. You're either in or you're out. God has given you and me spiritual blessings. He has blessed us with every spiritual blessings in the heavenlies. Ephesians 1.3 What He expects us to do then is to live out our blessings just as He expect Israel to live out their blessings, their inheritance in his land, not the land that they chose short of Canaan. So why would we suppose that he has a different plan for us or a different plan for Gad and Reuben and Manasseh? He has given them their inheritance. He has given them their land. He has asked them to what? Cross the Jordan. Go into the land. He didn't ask them to stay short of the Jordan and take that land because it was a better land for grazing their cattle. It was a better land for them to earn their wages. He asked them to go in to the promised land. But Gad and Reuben and Manasseh made their decision not on the basis of spiritual values. They made their They made their decision on the basis of material gain. That land was ideal for raising cattle. You know what it reminded me of? It reminded me of Abram and Lot. Abram and Lot, back in Genesis chapter, I think it is, 13. They they had so much cattle that the land could hardly hold them. So Lot's herdsmen and, and, and Abram's herdsmen... We're, we're arguing. There was strife between them because the, there was so much cattle. So Lot comes to Abram and says, what shall we do? And Abram says, well, do you want to separate? You can separate. Choose. And we are told in Genesis chapter 13 that Lot lifted up his eyes. And he looked at the valley of the Jordan towards Sodom and Gomorrah it was well watered it was ideal for cattle and it says it was before the lord destroyed sodom and gomorrah it was like the garden of the lord it was like the land of egypt going into zoar and so it says lot then chose for himself those valleys of the jordan and lot journeyed eastward Thus Lot and Abraham separated from one another. Abram asked God, You show me where to go, and I will go. Lot saw the land, and he thought, This is what I want. He chose the land over God's blessing. Abram ended up in Canaan. Was there a problem of their not going into the land? I'm talking about Gad, Reuben, and in the half-tribe of Manasseh? I'd say yes. I'd say they fell short of what God wanted for them. I plead with you and me, let's not fall short of what God has for us in our lives. You see, sometimes our decisions are not made on, on sight. Our, our decisions are not supposed to be made by what is... Our desire, we're to to decide what would God want for us. Where is God moving? We always say here in our staff, let's, let's find out where God is moving and let's follow Him instead of saying, God, this is what we want to do, bless us in it. Let's find out where He's moving. Let's move with Him so that we can be by His side. By making the decision, the two and a half tribes divided the nation they separated themselves from the blessings of the land of Canaan. They were further away from the tabernacle now. They were further away from their brothers and sisters of Israel, and they were closer to the enemy. And as we've already read, in First Chronicles chapter 5, they fell prey, the their, their next generation did, to Assyria. And Syria took them into slavery. You know, so many Christians today live like that. They become weekend believers. Live on the fringe, so to speak. Not, not completely involved in the church. Not completely involved with other believers. There's too much out there in this world in which we live. And so we fall short of what God would want really truly for us. We live on the fringe Of our belief. Instead of giving God all of us, we give Him a portion. That's no way to live, folks. So how do they decide to solve the problem? They, meaning Gad, Reuben, and the half-tribe of Manasseh. Here's what they decide to do in verse 10. Let's build a large altar to the Lord. Why? Why did they want to build this altar? Well, we just read so that it would remind everybody on the other side of the Jordan that we still belonged to them. We still were a part of their nation so that their children won't come to our children someday and say, you're not a part because you're not living with us. (laughs) All they had to do was cross the Jordan. There was land enough there on the other side of the Jordan for them. Nobody would have questioned their nationality had they crossed the Jordan. And so the children of Israel believed that this two and a half tribe were building this altar so that they could make sacrifices to another god, attempting to divide the nation. So much so, before they found out the facts, though, which was wrong on their part. It says in verse 12, at the end of verse 12, they were willing to go war against their own brethren. A civil war. In verse 16, Israel accused the two and a half tribe of, of building altars to some other god. In, in verse 16, in, in verse 17, it says, "Is verse 17, Is not the iniquity of Peor enough for us? And I wondered, what is Pure? I wondered, what happened there? And so I started a search. I started to try to find out, what was, what was the problem in Peor? Well, it's answered in the book of Numbers, the 25th chapter. The God of Baal. The God of Peor so enamored the people of Israel when they were there, that they started to sin with the people of Peor. They started to intermarry with the Moabite women, the Israelite men did. God condemned that and says, no, you are not to do that. And they condemned. They committed spiritual adultery by not listening to the voice of God and doing just as they so desired with these women of Peor. And so God very, very seriously judged them. And what they were, they, meaning the nine and a half tribes on the other side of the Jordan, look what it says. It says in verse uh, 18, Turn away this day from following the Lord. You, you don't turn away from following the Lord. It'll come about, if you rebel against the Lord today, he's going to be angry with the whole congregation of Israel tomorrow. They also brought up the name of Achan. You remember what happened to Achan. Achan went when they were in Jericho, and he, and, and he, and he was told not to take any of the, the, the spoils, any of the, the things that they won in that war, and he took some, hid it, Buried it under his tent. And, and, and so the, the, the nation of Israel went into to fight against Ai. And 36 men fell during that battle. Joshua couldn't figure it out. So he went back, asked of the Lord. And the Lord said, there's sin in the camp. So he searched out Achan. And they say concerning Achan, look. In verse 20, did not Achan the son of Zerah act unfaithfully in the things under the ban? And wrath fell on the congregation of Israel. I want you to note, both in verse 17 and in verse 20, they're worried that they're going to come, that wrath is going to fall upon them because of the actions of Gad, Reuben, and the half-tribe of Manasseh. You see, they were afraid of the actions of those people that it might fall upon them. I'll tell you why. In Peor, in one day, I believe it was, it might not have been one day, but in in, in total, twenty-four thousand of the Israelites fell because of the wrath of God. The sin of Achan, we already know, thirty-six of the soldiers unnecessarily died because of his sin. But it also led to Achan's own death, as well as the death of the members of his family. And so Israel, the nine and a half tribes, were frightened. If they do something wrong, it might fall upon us as well. So don't do anything wrong. You know what I learned from that? It's simple. Our actions are not done in a vacuum. There are times when... Things that we do will affect others. In a home, someone doing something that's wrong will affect the whole family. It'll bring burden and misery upon a family for months and months, maybe years. Our actions are not done in a vacuum, folks. There are times when our actions will affect others within the body of Christ. And so what did they do they meaning the nine and a half tribes, they sent Phineas. He is the same man who went to confront Israel when they were in Peor. Same man. And so he comes to the two and a half tribes and he asks them, what's going on? But before he asks them, he judges them. In verses 16, verse 20, verse 22 he said you acted unfaithfully it was a it was like a means of treachery that you did something very evil he didn't know that for a fact remember Joshua just commended these people for fighting valiantly sending them back to their land and now phinehas and in verses 16, 18, 23, and 29, it says you're faithless. You're unfaithful. You have turned away from Israel and the God of Israel. In other words, it carries with it the idea that you have now backslidden. You have gone back to the old ways. You have forgotten what Joshua has told you in verse 5. Love the Lord your God. Walk in all of His ways. Keep his commandments. Hold fast to him and serve him. Serve him with all of your heart. Serve him with all of your soul. The strongest words used by Phineas are in verses 16, 18, 19, 22, and 29. He says, you've rebelled against your God. In other words, you have deliberately resisted the will of God. Look, they didn't do that. Phineas was out of line saying that they did this. But I want you to look at Phineas's heart. Phineas's heart was really, in my opinion, pure. Look what he says in verse 19. It is the key. It is the key that will unlock this all. Israel had an honest concern for the two and a half tribe that was on the other side of the Jordan. Look what he says in verse 19. If, however the land of your possession is unclean, then cross into the land of the possession of whom? Of the Lord. That's that's His place for them. That's where they belonged. If your land is unclean, then come on with us. Come on over to our side where we have the land that the Lord God Himself has given to us. And take possession among us. In other words, come, come to our side of the Jordan. But Gad and Reuben and the half-tribe of Manasseh, in verses 21 to 29, makes it clear. We're not setting up a rival religion. No, not at all. No, no. The altar, they say, was not built for any sacrifices. It was built so as to put up witness so that you, the nine and a half tribes west of the Jordan would remember that we, Reuben, Gad, and the half tribe of Manasseh were still apart. But look what they say. Verse 25. In verse 25, they say, the Lord, the Lord, the Lord has made the Jordan a border border between us and you. I ask, I, I, I beg to differ. The Lord didn't make the separation by the Jordan. They did. They were the ones who decided not to cross the Jordan River. They were the ones who made the Jordan River a dividing line. They were the ones who chose to live on the east side of the Jordan. They were the ones who separated themselves from their own people and from the land that God had given them. Oftentimes I hear people You know, oh God, oh God, you know, this woman that you gave me to marry, you know. Blaming God, because they're not the husband that they ought to be. Oh God, this man, he's a jerk. Uh, Blaming God. We blame God for things that we cause within our own lives. What really took place? I'll tell you, clear and simple. They put their cattle, now get this, they put their cattle ahead of their children. They put their cattle ahead of their fellow Jews, the nation of Israel. And they blamed God for the problem that they created the division. Theirs was a witness of deceitfulness of mankind. They wanted to enjoy the best of both worlds. Am I getting too close into your life right now? Or maybe is the Lord? Did we come here and we live out our faith on Sunday? And yet during the rest of the week, we, if anybody watched us, who would know we're really believers? Have we tried to live on both sides of the river? It's not possible. God will not allow that to happen. God wants my heart, all of it. God wants your heart, all of it. He has given you all of Himself, He expects nothing less in return. So the two and a half tribes are talking piously about their children, about their well wishes, that it will be a remembrance for them. But when you really get down to it, folks, it was all about money. They wanted the better grazing area. What really motivated them to live on the other side of the Jordan was a better place to raise their cattle, but it was not a better place to raise their children just as we read a little while ago in 1 Chronicles. So, what we read is interesting to me. In verses 30 to 34, Phineas was well pleased with their answer. The tribes were well pleased with their answer. The delegation that heard their response was well pleased with their answer. My question is, Was God well pleased with their answer? That you and I will have to judge. Did God really want them to stay on that side of the Jordan? Or did God ask them to cross the Jordan and to go into the promised land? You can answer that question for yourself. It's clear. There's no mistake. God says cross it. So many people today are living on the fringe and they think they're fine with God and nothing's gone wrong, so they think they're okay. You and I need to live by faith, not by sight. Like Abraham and like Lot. When Abraham and Lot separated, Abraham had a spiritual outlook. Lot did not when these nine-and-a-half tribes and and two-and-a-half tribes separated, the two-and-a-half tribes, like Lot, were concerned with material matters, matters not with godly matters. I I think the message is clear, the lesson is clear, in my opinion. I hope it's to you, because this was not an easy lesson to teach, honest. It wasn't. The lesson is this. We definitely need one another we all need to cross the Jordan. We all need to, in essence, give our hearts fully to the Lord our God so as to stay safe from this world that is so rapidly changing. My goodness, I've, I had to stay home and rest this whole week. It was doctor's orders, and I might have to do the same next. And that, that's no place to be. I do watch too much TV. And I hear how this world's going and it's scaring me to death, really. And what's scaring me is not so much for you or me. It's it's our children. What's going to happen? And so when my wife comes home, I come to my senses because she tells me, God's in control, John. But I should know on my own. We need one another in this world in which we live. We really need one another. We need to make our decisions, you and me, by the Word of God and not by our desires. We need to walk by faith. You need to do what we try to do here at this church within your own lives. We don't make a move till we believe with all of our hearts that God is moving so that we can follow Him rather than saying, God, this is what we desire to do. This is where our plans are. Come bless us. We don't try to work it that way. We over and over and over again say, what is God doing within this church? How is he moving? Let's move with him. Let's follow his desires, not ours. Let's walk by faith and not by sight. And so that's that's what I got this week out of Joshua chapter 22. I do not believe with, with any part of me that Gad and Reuben and the half-tribe of Manasseh, I do not believe with any part of me that they were doing right. I believe God wanted them to cross the Jordan. I don't believe with any part of me that any of us that do not live our lives fully desiring to follow the Lord our God is doing right. It might look like it is but time will tell let's be like Caleb let's be a group of people who fully want to follow the Lord our God with all of our hearts all of our soul all of our strength all of our minds Father we pray in the name of Jesus Christ that we move into this Easter season very serious about our faith that we would be a people Father God who wants to cross that Jordan. We want to be a people, Father, who want to fully follow you all the days of our lives. That we would not, Father God, not by any stretch of our imagination do what we think is right in our hearts rather than what you believe is right for us. So help us to learn what to do. Study your word so we can see where you're moving and follow you. Now, Father, bless everybody here. Bless us this Palm Sunday and bless us come Easter. May we celebrate our risen Savior. We pray in Jesus' precious name. Amen. I love you all so much. Thank you for being here. I'll see you next week, Easter.